the second week of a sermon series called How to Change the World. And what I love so much about this idea of changing the world is I'm not going to say anything extraordinary. I'm not going to say anything grandiose. I'm not going to say that you have to do something that only one person in a million is capable of even thinking about doing. These are all very practical things that every single one of us can do. And we can change the world. And the only way to change the world is this very simple way, a little at a time. So how do we change the world? A little at a time. That's the foundation we laid last week. And uh, so today, I'm going to build on that concept. And I saw a headline in the news this past week that I think fits perfectly into where we're headed today. So uh, there was a semi-truck driver in California And he tried to fool local authorities by making a homemade license plate. Here's what he came up with. It's pretty funny, right? I mean, how in the world, first of all, he's from California. That doesn't even say California. That says Califos. So maybe the people of the great state of Califos have really eclectic license plates that differ from the rest of the U.S., but... I I just, how could he possibly think that that was going to fool anybody? How could that possibly work? And yet, that's exactly what Christianity looks like when we don't love people. Christianity without love is like a phony license plate. People see through it right away. Anybody with half a brain can see through Christianity without love and know that it's not the real thing. It is a noisy gong. It's a clanging cymbal. It's a phony license plate. But praise be to God that the opposite is true as well. Christianity with love is perhaps the most recognizable thing on the planet. Christianity with love is one of the most beautiful and genuine things you will find. And it's how Jesus commanded us to change the world. Here's what he says in John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love each other. I was reminded of this uh, as Leah read me a conversation from a book that she's been reading. And it's a conversation between two school teachers, and they were talking about the emotional strain of their profession. Specifically, one of their students had a terminal illness, and they were, they were talking about that in this conversation from the book. So I'm going to read to you just a small excerpt from this conversation. So the first teacher, Isabel, she's talking about a day when she walked into her classroom during recess and she found that terminally ill student sitting there and talking with the chaplain. And so the second teacher, Florence, says, I can't believe in God. Mrs. Dalhus, I can't believe in God. I've tried from time to time and I just can't do it. The first teacher. And yet, who are the people who are always there for us? Who are the people who comfort us? Who would you like to have at your ending? What kind of person would you like to have at your deathbed? An atheist or someone of faith? I know some very sympathetic non-believers. I don't, I don't think we should discount them, said Florence. Yeah, maybe. But there's nothing in the atheist creed that says they must love each other, is there? We don't have to believe in God to think it's important to act with generosity and consideration. That's what morality is all about. Yes, 
morality, the ordinary variety. It says do nothing that hurts others, but it does not go the step further to say love them. This is where the Christian differs from the moral person. And I thought that was such a striking conversation. Let me sum it up for you in a way that we can all take home. Kindness says, I won't push you down. Christianity says, let me help you up. So that's where Christianity differs from morality. There's a difference between the way God calls us to live and the way the world treats people. When we treat people the way that God calls us to, it's noticeable. It's light in the darkness. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill, it can't be hidden. Nor does anybody light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, you put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the room in the same way. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Love is that light. Here's how Billy Graham says it. I think this is fascinating. He says, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. The way we treat people, the way we treat people will either lead them closer to God or further from God. Let me make that a little more personal. Let me talk directly to you for a moment this morning. The way you treat people will either lead them closer to God or further from God. This isn't a reality for just pastors or Sunday school teachers or small group leaders. This is a reality who every, for everyone who calls themselves by the name of Christ. The way we treat people will either lead them closer to Christ or further from Him. And that's good news. Right, So our tendency is going to be to think of that as an incredible responsibility, a, a burden almost, that we've always got to be on our best behavior for the Lord because we're always on the spot for the Lord. So it's not a burden, it's good news. Here's why it's good news, because each of us is capable of loving people. Each of us are capable of loving people a little at a time. And that's how Jesus said we're going to change the world. So how do we change the world? By loving a little at a time. Here's how Jesus says it. Dear children, I'm going to be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. One of my favorite books is called Disciple. It's written by a man named Juan Carlos Ortiz. And in it, he shares the story of an older woman from their church and how she put John 13 into practice. Here's what he writes. He says, we had an older lady in our congregation who, as she put it, could never win a soul for Jesus. She'd been in church for many years, but one day the Lord showed her the type of love he was talking about in John 13. She understood that God didn't send a tract from heaven. He sent his son who came and lived with us and understood us and healed people and died for people. 
And the woman decided that she could begin to live the same way. So in front of where she lived, there was a house for rent. As soon as the new tenants arrived, she was prepared. She went over with coffee and donuts and she said, I'm bringing you something to eat. I know you just moved in. You don't have things ready for cooking yet. I'm going to come back in a while and get the dishes. Don't wash them. I know you're busy. And by the way, if you need to know where the grocery store is, it's at the corner of this street and this street. And, and, and then she left. And a while later, she came back and she got her dishes and she said, hey, you know, if you need anything else, I'm right here and I'd be glad to help you. Ortiz says she never preached about Christ. But a month later, the whole family was baptized because of the light she had brought them. Now, let me, let me be clear about this. This woman's love didn't secure their salvation. The donuts that she brought them did not pardon their sins. The coffee that she made them or the dishes that she did for them did not ensure they would receive Holy Spirit into their lives. This woman's love did not ensure their salvation. Her love didn't pardon their sins, but her love, her love pointed a family to Jesus who does pardon sins. Here's the principle. The more prepared, the more practiced we are at loving in small ways, the more prepared we'll be to love in grand ways. So when we leave this room, when we leave this room, not all of us are going to be prepared to talk about the theological significance of what happened on the cross. Not all of us are going to be prepared to give lavishly to people in need. Each of us is capable of loving somebody a little at a time. I know you're capable of it because for the last five years, I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen it when we have collection boxes out for Wonder Valley or for Kids Hope or for diaper showers or for cell phones for the women's shelter or for anything that we collect for. I know that this is a congregation full of people who are good at loving a little at a time. I know we're capable of it because I've seen it over and over. So how do you change the world? Little at a time. A little at a time. They didn't insulate every house in North Carolina. They didn't fix every air conditioning problem in North Carolina. They didn't wash the siding of every house in North Carolina, but they loved a little at a time, and the kingdom of God is better for it. How do you change the world a little at a time? With the rest of our time together, I'd like to remind us of how much we're loved. I want to remind us of how much our Father loves us because the more we understand how we're loved, the more we're able to love. So how does God love us? I just want you to listen. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and they called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head. They placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. And then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spit on him. And they grabbed the stick and they struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and they put his clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, 
And the soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall. But when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. And after they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. And the sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read this, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. That's how we're loved. That's how we are loved. And I'm talking to each of us individually. Everybody who is hearing this right now is somebody who Jesus did this for. He didn't just do it for me. He didn't just do it for you. He didn't just do it for the people in this room who are hearing. He did it for everyone who lives and who has lived and who will live. That's who Jesus died for. That's how we are loved. The question inevitably comes to mind, why did did Jesus have to die like this? Why did He have to endure such a terrible death? And the very simple answer is because we needed it. Because we needed it. We've all sinned. And that sin creates a separation between us and God. I want us to think about it like a debt. When we sin, we owe a debt. And we're all familiar with debt. Maybe you bought a house or a car, and it's likely if you did, unless you have way more money than me, that when you did those things, you incurred some sort of debt in the process. You're on the hook for money that you have to pay back for the house, for the farmland, for the car, for whatever it is. Same thing with sin, except for when we sin, we're not on the hook monetarily. We're on the hook for what sin costs, and that's death. I can't pay that back. I can't pay back a debt of death because then I wouldn't be alive. And here's what Jesus said, I love you so much that I'll pay it for you. That's why Jesus allowed Himself to be beaten by Roman soldiers. That's why Jesus stood silently as His accusers mocked Him and gambled for His clothing. That's why Jesus allowed soldiers to grab His hand and lay it on a beam because we needed a death to pay for our sins. It's no coincidence that one of the last things Jesus said on the cross is, it is finished. In Greek, that's the word tetelestai. It was an accounting term. Here's what it means. The debt has been paid. It didn't matter to Jesus that we deserved our punishment. He died for us anyway. It didn't matter to Jesus that we knew better. He died for us anyway. It didn't matter to Jesus that we weren't perfect And we weren't going to be perfect. He died for us anyway. Jesus, He didn't love us as He loved Himself. He loved us more than He loved Himself. Enough to give Himself up for us. We are loved. We're loved so much that the ruler of heaven and earth died for us. We are loved and our job more than anything else is to show off that love a little at a time. That's how we're loved and that's how we've been taught to love. That's how we'll change the world. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you will empower us with inner strength through your Spirit. 
I pray that Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. So God, please let our roots grow down into your love and keep us strong. And God, may we please have power to understand how wide, how long, how deep, and how high your love is. God, please let us experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And we will be complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're here today and you've never acknowledged your need for Jesus' sacrifice, I think today is the day that you should acknowledge that. The way Jesus says to do that is to be baptized. It's our appeal to God for a clear conscience through Christ Jesus. And when we're baptized, two things happen. God forgives us of our sins eternally and completely, and he gives us his spirit to guide us closer to his righteousness. So if you need to make that commitment today, I think you should come forward as we stand together and sing now.